today's reading is from Leviticus 2. When someone brings an offering to the Lord, his offering is to be of fine flour. He is to pour oil on it, put incense on it, and take it to Aaron's sons, the priests. The priests shall take a handful of fine flour and oil, together with all the incense, and burn this as a memorial portion on the altar, an offering made by fire, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. The rest of the grain offering belongs to Aaron and his sons. It is a most holy part of the offering made to the Lord by fire. If you bring a grain offering back, uh, baked in an oven, it is to consist of fine flour, cakes made without yeast and mixed with oil, or wafers made without yeast and spread with oil. If your grain offering is prepared on a griddle, it is to be made of fine flour mixed with oil and without yeast. Crumble it and pour oil on it. It is a grain offering. If your grain offering is cooked in a pan, it is to be made of fine flour and oil. Bring the grain offering made of these things to the Lord. Present it to the priest who shall take it to the altar. He shall take, he shall, he shall take out the memorial portion from the grain offering and bring it on the altar as, and burn it on the altar as an offering made by fire, an aroma pleasing to the Lord. The rest of the grain offering belongs to Aaron and his sons. It is a most holy part of the offering made to the Lord by fire. Every grain offering you bring to the Lord must be made without yeast, for you are to, you are not to burn any yeast or honey in offering made to the Lord by fire. You may bring him, so you may bring them to the Lord as an offering of the first fruits, but they are not to be offered on the altar as a pleasing aroma. Season all your grain offerings with salt. Do not leave the salt of the covenant of your God out of your grain offering. Add salt to all your offerings. If you bring a grain offering of first fruits to the Lord, offer crushed heads of new grain roasted in the fire. Put oil and incense on it. It is a grain offering. The priest shall burn the memorial portion of the crushed grain and the oil together with all the incense as an offering made to the Lord by fire. Well done, Tim. Good on you, mate. Um, There's some things that um, just get into our heads and it's a bit like bit like the way that there seems to be so much repetition in 
the way that we read through the book of Leviticus, as the word came from the Lord to Moses, Moses put it down for the uh, sacrifice order, and the way that it was put down was that it would be a repetition, because they didn't have the books. They were going to hear this again and again and again until it got under their skin. And it's really interesting because we sang that song, Waymaker, today. I was out on my motorcycle running around um, a number of hospitals yesterday um, doing some uh, orientation work with uh, the blood bikers. And I'm out on the bike and I'm driving. I was in Southampton and then I went across to Portsmouth and then I was in Winchester and uh, just to check out where Stephen works. I was outside your place yesterday afternoon and um, running around. But the thing about it is, is that on a motorcycle, I don't know if you realize this, is that you're on there on your own. Well, I was on my own. I didn't have a pillion with me. I was on there on my own. And you've got lots of time to think. Well, as well as thinking, well, most of the riding I just do automatically. It's just one of those, you've ridden a bike for 35. It's like driving. You just, it just happens. Um, you're a bit more astute and on the ball than that. But one of the things, that, what do you fill your head with? Yesterday, I could, along the M27, as I was going from Southampton across to Portsmouth, then Portsmouth back along and then up the M3 to all, all happens is waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are. I must have sang that pretty constantly. Just, I don't even know the verse. All I know is that chorus. And it was just going round and round and round and round. But the one thing I know, that when I got home, probably nearly five o'clock last night, having left the house at eight in the morning, by the time I got home last night, the one thing that I knew was that my God is a way maker. He is a miracle worker. He is a promise keeper. That's what he is. Everything that he says is true. He's a way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. He's the light in the darkness. And just as we do those sort of things and we have those sort of things going through your head, which is why I think it's really good to memorize scripture. Because I, I was riding on my bike and thinking, oh, I wish a bit of Bible would come to me. Now I could have that going over in my head. Going through things so that they're with you. And this word that is being brought through Leviticus is a word that has repetition so that it will get under the skin and will be natural and normal And you wouldn't need to read it from anything because you already know it. I'm pressing a button here and it's nothing's happening at the back there. Ooh. Are you doing that? Am I? Am I doing that? Am I? You got another battery for this? Can we give that a go? Just to make it a bit bit better, they're um, double A's, triple A's. If you can find a triple A, that'd be cool. Might not. I bet there isn't. I bet the person who buys the batteries hasn't updated the triple A's. Is there loads in the office? That's cool. That's brilliant. Mm-mm-mm. At this moment, so what we have, we've got to remember with the book of Leviticus is that there's been a transition happening. The people of God, the children of Israel, the Israelites were um, enslaved in Egypt. Um, a uh, rescuer was sent. 
God raised up a man called Moses. He went across to Egypt, uh, pleaded with Pharaoh to let God's people go. There was a little bit of uh, a kerfuffle went on, and eventually God's people are released, and they're heading across uh, the desert. And then they come to a point where they, uh, they camp out in um, Sinai. And in Sinai, there's a mountain, and that's where the mountain of the Lord, the Lord's up the mountain, and... Uh, He comes down and he meets with Moses on the mountain and all of the people of Israel are all camped out around side this mountain. And and it's like God God is still distant, but there is a desire for God to come and dwell with the people, to take up residence with his people. He doesn't want to be a God in the distance. The desire is that he will be intimate and close with his people. And the dimensions are drawn out at the back end of of the book of of, um, Exodus of, of a place. And the place that they're going to live, uh, where he's going to live or take up residence, we've not got any batteries. We have got batteries. We... Okay, I'm, going, I'm pushing them back in then because I took them out. Is this working now then? <laughs> Let's work through this. Uh, the place that um, they built and set up was this, uh, the tabernacle. So you have this tabernacle being built and um, there's an outer court area, then inner court, and then you've got this tent of meeting and at the back end of the tent of meeting behind this up here, which is a, a curtain, is uh, the Holy of Holies, where God presents himself there on the altar. He is there right in the midst. And God set up this with, uh, with, um, with Moses, the dimensions of it to be built, so that God cannot be distant and up a mountain, but come and dwell amongst his people. And the book of Leviticus answers a question. This is the sort of question that I put last week. It says, okay, God is among us. He's right here in the meeting, in this tent, in this dwelling place. Therefore, how do we approach him? How do we relate to this God in light of our experience with other gods? You see, the children of Israel have been in slavery amongst the people called the Egyptians. The Egyptians had their own gods. And though they were enslaved in Egypt, they were still participating in all of the multifaceted God worship that was kicking off around Egypt. And suddenly they find themselves removed from that environment and they are to be a different people relating to the God, a different God to what they've experienced before, the God who created them. How is this going to work? And the book of Leviticus helps us to understand that. You see, some thoughts about the book of Leviticus I pulled up last week. It just remembers a number of things. There's a lot of blood in it. There's a lot of blood. It's quite manly. A lot of the stuff seems to be quite, you know, encountering God, dealing with God, approaching God. It's, it's a blokey thing. Ladies, of course, you are invited but so often people talk about Christianity as being, you know, well, that's, a, that's for the ladies, you know, weaker people, people who need a crutch. And the thing about it is we all need a crutch because we're all disabled and our disability is sin. And we need one who we can lean on to live in a relationship with God as he desires us to lead and live. Prophetic, it speaks about... 
what's happening in the future with Jesus and his coming. Uh, it's a book about worship. How do we offer God our very best? And ultimately, it comes down to the point that it's going to cost you something. So last week, we looked at the burnt offering. And if you want a bit of Hebrew there, that's the Ola, which just reminds me of Frozen. Somehow, I, I, I don't know. So we've got the burnt offering, Ola. Today we're looking at Minha, which is the, green, green, uh, the uh, grain offering. And then um, next week, Robert and the guys from uh, Uganda are going to be leading us um, in our time together. So make sure you're here to uh, support and love on them. And then the week after that, we're going to look at the peace offering. And uh, I'll go into that. So Tim read to us from Leviticus chapter 2. <gasps> Here we go, through Leviticus chapter 2. There's uh, words about the offering being uncooked, words about the offering being cooked, talk about the ingredients, and the last thing talks about variation. What happens if you want to do something different? So we've got 16 verses that speak to us about thanksgiving. We are coming with our offering, our grain offering to give thanks. And part of what we're giving thanks for is the fact that we've also connected with what we did last week, which is a burnt offering. And we covered that, so we won't look at that again. Let's have a look at these words Tim read. He said, when someone brings a grain offering to the Lord, it's always good to remember that what you bring is to the Lord. Just to, for a moment, just to remember that everything that you are about here today is for an audience of one, and that's not me, okay? Everything that you do in this place is for an audience of one, and that is him. He is worthy of your praise. He is worthy of your prayers. He is worthy of you acknowledging him as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Leviticus reminds us at the very beginning of of the burnt offering as well as for this, the grain offering, that we are to bring to the Lord. It is an offering to the Lord. Do you know what? I don't give a monkey's what people think of my singing in here. Couldn't care less. Because I ain't singing to you. I'm singing to him. And he gave me the voice that I've got. So if he's given me a voice that's slightly off key to all of your voices, then... God's just saying, I love variety, Dave. And I've given you that voice and those lungs to make sure that everybody hears how blessed they are to have you. When you sing, remember, forget about the person in front or behind. The number of times that we've been out to different places and Carol nudges me and she says things like, don't sing loud. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Don't sing, don't sing loud. Don't sing loud. And, and I understand that because, yeah, but I'm singing to him. Lift our voices. Bring our offerings to God. Whatever we bring, we're bringing it to the Lord. Whether we bring in our voices, in our praise, whether we're bringing our, our financial gifts, whatever goes in the box at the back, or whether we put it through the banks, whatever we do in that way, it doesn't, do you know what? It's nobody else's business. It is between you and God. You see, when we bring our offerings, when we bring our financial offerings, you see, God knows how much we keep. He knows that. And he knows how much we give. He knows how we prioritize our spending. He knows all of that. He's sorted. No worries. So we bring and we have this freedom 
to have an offering before the Lord. So we have this offering. This is offering a fine flour. Now the thing about it is, you see, when we want flour, what we do is we pop into Asda or Tesco's or Sainsbury's or if you're really posh into M&S, you go in there and you just buy it off the shelf. Is that right? We just go and buy a bag of flour. And then when we get home and we're going to make some, I don't do things with flour. Mine all comes ready packaged. You know, about that size, by that, about 12-inch diameter. It's all there. I don't need to do anything with it. Flour. It's fine, and it's white. Ours is, usually, unless you get whole grain. Oh, let's not go into all of that. There was something on the other night, actually, that talked about um, variety. Oh, it was Room 101, wasn't it? We were watching Room 101, and there's something like, Tesco stock, something like 65 different types of flour. Too much choice. I think that was the issue. Too much choice. Fine flour. Pour oil on it. Put incense on it. Take out uh, a memorial portion on the altar and uh, make sure that this is offered. It's going to be pleasing to the Lord. You see, we just go and buy it. But they had to grind it. So we've got some grain. Now, this is the thing, isn't it? How long are the children of Israel being camped around that they can grow stuff? This isn't things that have happened sort of overnight. This is a long period of time that they are gathering together. They can get hold of grain. Some of it they would have brought with them as they left and and headed into the desert. But this milling system isn't like, you know, we don't just go, just don't go and get a bag of it. And I thought to myself, oh, millstone, because Jesus talks about a millstone. Do you remember if you put something in the way that causes a young person to stumble? So you're living out of your faith. If that causes a small one, a young one to stumble, then it would be better for you to have a millstone put around your neck and you to be thrown in a river. Some great stuff in the Bible, I tell you. (laughs) Millstones, you see, what we might have had about 3,000 years ago, wasn't a big millstone as we would expect with, uh, you know, the windmills type windmills or water type, that sort of thing. Hand milling. And it takes an awful lot of work. And what happens is that when you've come to a point of having the finest flour, that's the very, very best. And when you bring the very, very best, the finest flour, that's because you've worked hard at it. And you've had to put a lot of effort into it. And then when you bring it, you're bringing something that's cost you. And it's a bit like those who brought the cattle or the sheep or the ducks, I was going to say. The sheep or the goats or the, uh, the doves or the pigeons last week for the burnt offering. It's something of yours. It's costly. Someone brings a grain offering. It's something special. Because it's a fine flour, it's for an exquisite purpose. We're we're talking about fine catering. We're bringing the best to God. Then it goes on. When someone brings a grain offering to the Lord of fine flour, puts oil on it and incense. The whole thing about oil, let's just go and buy a bottle of olive oil. That wasn't the case. Some of you didn't have running water in your houses. You found out a number of things that you didn't have when you were children. We'll go back and back and back and back. You couldn't just go and buy 
a thing of olive oil. There was an olive press where you used to have to uh, put the olives in and then press them and work on them so that the oil would come out. And it's the same with frankincense. The, the whole thing about frankincense, the trees that produce frankincense, the whole process is that you cut into the bark of a tree and the tree cries. Frankincense is They've often been talked about as being the tears of frankincense. So when we take frankincense, which is like a resin that has been coming out of the weeping wounds of a tree, the cost to the tree, the time that it's taken for somebody to bring this, this isn't just grab it, grab it, and here we go. This is thought out, this is processed and prepared, and this is I'm bringing my best to God because he is worthy of my very, very best. Frankincense. Do you remember that was one of the gifts that Jesus was given um, at his birth? Frankincense um, used as a, and burnt as a, a beautiful offering of, of holiness. It's, a, it's got a priestly uh, use. That's what it's there. It's, it, it's a set apart. There's holiness. And as it is burnt, it recognizes that something has been set apart. The finest flower, the finest flower, mixed with beautiful olive oil. And added to that, the tears of frankincense, that there will be a a mighty aroma. And then then when when you've got all of that and you're putting it all together and you to burn it, the, the, the thing that gets burnt is you come with this to the priest. So you've come through that front gate, you remember, and then you come up to that brazen altar, that, that firing altar, which was the place that your animal would have been put on for the burnt sacrifice. And there around it is all splattered the blood of the animal. You're now going there and you're taking this this grain offering and what happens is the priest takes some of it and throws it on to the fire and then he gets to keep the rest of it and this memorial offering this memorial portion is placed on the altar but we ask the question memorial what what are we remembering well the thing that you're remembering is what happened last week In remembering, what you remember is the fact that an animal was given and has to give its life completely as a burnt offering to God. And the word that is used is this word of of atonement. And the word atonement meaning you, you are covered. There is a covering. There is an access covering placed over you. And when we come later on, you'll see so much of the clarity of the analogy and how it works between what's happening here in the Old Testament and what happened through Jesus and what we have and experience today as those who are covered by God. So this anointing was placed over people and they were, the word is atoned for, they were covered So the memorial, we're placing a handful of the flour and the incense with the oil. We're throwing that onto the fire. That's going on the fire. That's being burnt up. That's the memorial. What we're saying is we are fanning the flame of that which happened yesterday. But it may have happened six weeks ago. It may have happened a year ago when you brought your cow in as a burnt offering. That memorial, you're saying this is remembering that and I am thankful God for all you have been doing in my life since then I give you praise I thank you 
And it's very much like what happens with us, isn't it? We come a couple of times a month here and we read these words from Paul's letter to the Corinthians. For I receive from the Lord what I also pass on to you. On the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and when he had given thanks... Thanksgiving. This is like this, this grain offering. This is a thanksgiving offering. When he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. There's an opportunity that we have month in, month out to remember whose we are. Jesus died for you and he died for me. And I love the fact that he took bread and broke it. This is what Those who were coming into the tabernacle had produced, they produced bread. Here's bread. Didn't quite look like Wonder Loaf, but it was bread. Do this in remembrance of me. Bring your best that's cost you a lot. So we've got a grain offering uncooked. Then we've got the grain offering cooked. Then, oh, keep going, Dave. If you bring a grain offering baked in the oven, that's what we're coming to. It, it consists of fine flour. We know that. Baked in an oven. What does that look like? So I'm looking around for um, ancient ovens. Could have had a look at the one in the kitchen here because that's quite an ancient oven. <laughs> That'll come up in a church meeting. Don't you worry. It's, it's misbehaving again. Maybe we should get one of these. This is, this is good. Um, baked in an oven. So a clay oven. They, they would have, you know, made up a clay oven, therefore, to, to cook in. There's that sort of thing. Or you've got this griddle. Now, I, I don't think they had a barbecue set up like this. But try and find a picture of an ancient griddle. It's difficult. But it's something where the, there's something that separates the, item being cooked from the flames of whatever's producing the heat and the thing about it is what is produced is it's flatbread type thing it's got no yeast in it so it's flat but it's produced by bringing the very very best ingredients together and it talks about a little bit later on about the fact that cooked in a pan and i'm sure that they didn't have tea fowl um, back then so it, it usually ceramic this is, this is a clay-type pans that they produce them in. That it would be a pleasing offering to God. Now, all of this just takes so long. You remember how long it used to filling up that bath when it was a Tim Mark bath in front of the fire. I've got no idea. I've, I'm, I'm too young for all that. But someone here, just to, you know, or you may remember your grandparents talking about filling up the bath, heating up, the, and then the water being so hot and almost taking your skin off. But they weren't going to put any cold in it because if you put cold in it now, the fifth person who's going to have a bath will end up getting in a cold bath. So the first one gets in, it's red hot. This is bringing the very, very best. What is it we've got that is our very best that we can bring to God? You bring a grain offering baked in the oven. It consists of the flour, cakes made without yeast and mixed with oil or waters made without yeast and spread with oil. What's all this about yeast? There's another point here later on in verse 11. Every grain offering you bring to the Lord must be made without yeast for you are not to burn any yeast or honey. And this is one of those questions you ask when you start reading through and working through scriptures. You start asking the wise, why no yeast? Why no honey? 
And I have, at this moment in time, about eight commentaries on the book of Leviticus. I've got my next essay that I need to write and and get in by the uh, middle of next month. Oh, my word. Middle of next month. Oh, I got my results back on Friday for my 70%. 70%. So, started at 58. First essay. Second essay, 70. I'll be lecturing there next time, I tell you. Every grain offering that you bring must not have yeast or honey. Some some commentators say, we don't really know. That's what they say. The greatest uh, theological, scholarly, academic minds say, we don't know. It does not say specifically. It's like with the burnt offering and they laid their hand on the head of the animal. Now, we have all sorts of associations What goes on with that, about the transference, and and was anything said, was anything asked? In that burnt offering, there's no indication. So we've got to say, the people back then knew what it meant, we don't. But that's okay. The people back then knew about, but we don't. But that's okay. So let's have some, some guesstimates on it. Then the whole thing about yeast and honey... Leaven and honey are both fermenting agents. This is one commentator says. They change the constitution of something. And God here is asking for something that is pure. I don't want something that is tainted or changed. What you put together is what I want to receive from you. Nothing extra. And the other side of things is, which is quite interesting, is... You are a people who are being called out. You are a people, you might remember a couple of weeks ago, who have been called That's what we've spoke about. And as a people who've been called out, you're called out to be different. And being different means that you don't follow the ways of this world. But you're transformed because your mind has been renewed. And therefore you're able to test and approve what God's will is for you. His good, pleasing and perfect will. And that is about being a different people, no longer walking to the tune of the society in which we live, but living differently. I received an email this week from... uh, a friend in Uganda who's not coming over with the group. And, and he said, he said in, in closing off his email, he says, well, these are the things you have to do when you live like a Ugandan. And my response back to him was, Pete, live like Jesus. Don't worry about living like a Ugandan. Live like Jesus. That's what you're called to do. And this is what I believe the people of God as they're gathering are being called to do. Would you live in a different way, relating to God differently. And the thing about it is, in the Egyptians, whilst they were slaves, honey was used as a, as a type of, of offering to the gods. Don't get involved with offering stuff to other gods. That's what they're saying. So f- cut out the leaven, get rid of the honey, and bring to me what is pure that you have worked with your own hands. Ah, oh, I thought that was quite good. Move it on. You may bring to the Lord as an offering of the first fruits. This is the stuff that, 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 that you see, what happens is we're very often, we collect everything in, see what we've got, then decide what we're going to give to God. But God here in Leviticus is laying down a different way of, of bringing our sacrificing and our offerings to him. And it says, don't look at what you're going to get. Say, this is my first stuff. And because I'm gathering it first, I'm giving it to you. You give God your first fruits. And then it talks about the fact that you've got to season your grain with salt. It's going to be like salt on the meals. We, we used to have a sausage factory 
close to where my last church was. And there were a number of people from the church who used to work in the sausage factory. And uh, we one night decided that we would have at church a sausage tasting evening. And uh, this lady, Debbie, she brought in different sausages. Um, Cost-wise, she said, these are the cheapest sausages. Well, no, she didn't tell us. She said, there are some very cheap sausages here, and there are some more expensive sausages here. So you can, so they all got cooked up, and they were made sure that they were kept separate. And then we all tasted and decided, you know, we voted on sort of things you do in Bexhill. There's not a lot going on down there, and that's all I can say. So... Most of us who voted for a certain sausage and said that was the most expensive, that was the nicest, had the most salt. And in the preparation of these sausages in the factory, the salt volume per sausage increased with the more expensive sausages. You'd think that the quality of the meat would get better, wouldn't you? But no, the amount of salt gets better. How about that? I think the factory's shut down now, so it's not surprising, is it? Salt. The thing about salt. And when, when we're talking here, he, he talks about here that do not leave the salt of the covenant of your God out of the grain offering. Because it's not just salt, this is the covenant. So what is the covenant of God? Well, the covenant is that, that I am to be your God, you are to be my people, and we are to be in communion, in relationship together forever. This is about permanence. So he says, don't forget the salt, because the salt reminds us that we are solid and we are secure, and what we have is permanent. And this so much resonates with what God would have us know today, that the relationship that we have with him isn't a fly-by-night, here today, gone tomorrow. This is solid and secure, and it's permanent. He wants you to know that he's with you, he's for you. He wants you to know this. He wants to know you to know that he is your way-maker your miracle worker, your promise keeper. He's your light in the darkness. That is who he is. And it's not just today and forget about it tomorrow. When Roger's on his plane heading over to foreign lands, he is still Roger's way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Uh, say again. Oh. Yeah. Sue's got plans this week. Don't mess them about, mate. It's got things happening. Solid and secure. So what does it mean? Let's just sum it up in the next two minutes. Really simple. It's like this. Thankfulness requires sacrifice. The burnt offering was given. That's a biggie. You're giving something of significant value. And then what happens is, following on from that, there's opportunities to recognize God's goodness over your life again and again and again. So I'm going to bring this thank offering. I'm going to bring this grain offering. And this grain offering is going to be a a memorial as well, reminding me and acknowledging to God that I remember how he has covered me. He's keeping me safe and I have access to him. And it requires a sacrifice. When you start putting all that stuff together, it requires a sacrifice. The thank you for covering me, the burnt offering is the atonement. But we do not sacrifice for approval. I love this phrase. I'll just whip this straight out of a book. We do not sacrifice for approval. Sacrifices, sacrifice acknowledges that we are approved. I'm going to say that again. We do not sacrifice for approval. Sacrifice acknowledges that we are approved. I'm doing it not to get God's favor, but I'm doing it because I have God's favor. 
And we're able to give because God has first given to us. I'm able to worship because God has first come into my life and empowered me to acknowledge him as being good. My way maker, my miracle worker, my promise keeper, my light in the darkness. The offering he shed. Oh, and this is quite good, especially for people like me who are, uh, you know, I'm not employed. Did you know that? I'm not employed. I'm, I'm an office holder. There's some, probably some benefit to this. I've yet to find out what it is, but there's probably some. You probably can't sack me or something. I don't know. Anyway, the position is here that you have a minister. And I have come and I've stepped into that position, okay? And in the ministry, uh, what you're saying is, we reckon gifts, anointings, callings over you, Dave, and we want to release you to do this. There are certain things we would like you to do, but if you can get somebody else to do it, then that's fine. But what we want to do is we want to empower you and to release you to use the gifts that God has given you so that we as a church might grow. And the greatest gift is taking hold of Ephesians chapter 4 where it says that uh, these certain people, there are apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists. And these are the people who are called together to equip God's people, that's all of us, for works of service. So I'm actually meant to be an equipper which is quite cool. Offer is shared. What happens is that this um, offering that is being brought, some of it goes onto the fire, some of it goes to the priest. I'm not a priest. But in this offering, what they're saying is it goes to God and the aroma pleases him, but it also goes to his most holy people as well to ensure that their lives are without want. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians. Don't you know that those who work in the temple get their food from the temple? That's exactly what we're reading. And those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar. And then this one is one of my favorite verses. In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. Yes! And I get that. Because that's what you do. You release me and resource me so that I can share the good news of Jesus. Sharing is shared. And the last thing here is that God says, come on, I want you to be involved. I want you to be involved. I want you to be involved in what I am doing. Come, spend time, work it, make it cost something that has got value, bring it to me. And then that can be shared around. Look at what it says here in uh, 2 Corinthians, therefore, as anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God. You see, when we bring our offerings, it's not that we're trying to pay God for what he's done. We're recognizing that he's done it and we're transformed by it. All this is from God. We can't add to the finished work of Christ. We can't add to it, but we're invited to participate in it. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So God has done his bit and then he releases us. He said, now go and do you live like Christ in the community. The grain offering, we are called to participate. To Peter, there's both the, the letters of Peter. There's loads of stuff about how we add to what God has done. He said, oh, you can't add to it. Yeah. He's brought us back, but he also is sending us out for this very reason. Make every effort to add to your faith. What am I going to do? I'm going to do something different. 
I'm going to add to it. What am I going to add? I'm going to add goodness to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance, perseverance, godliness, and godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, love. And it talks about these qualities increasing. God says with this grain offering, what you're doing is you're, you're adding to what I am about. Share what you have. Come and give thanks. Let everybody know how thankful you are and draw others in through your thankfulness. Thankfulness requires sacrifice. The offering is to be shared and the offering invites us to get involved. How thankful are you? We've dipped into little things, haven't we, today? We talked about what stuff that you've got that others may never have had. You know, I'm sort of driving along the M27 yesterday, whinging about the roadworks. But we've got roads. We've got roads. How privileged we are to have a road network. It's a pain at times, but how privileged we are that we've got freedom and liberty to come and gather and to worship, that we can come and say what we want to say to God without anyone getting upset with us here. And God has given us roofs over our heads, clothes on our back, food in our stomachs. God has given us friendship and fellowship. Let's stand together. Allow me to lead you in a prayer of thanksgiving. We don't want to shun away, Lord, from the call to each and every one of us to bring our very best to you. And we take this opportunity even now, Lord, to say, you are so worthy of our very best. And here today, as your people in this place, we want to say thank you. Thank you for all that you have done for us. Thank you that we have a relationship with you through Jesus Christ who lived the perfect life, died that horrible death for us and rose again mightily. Thank you, Lord, for your Holy Spirit that is here with us right now, dwells in us, those who know you, surrounds us and empowers us. Help us, Lord, to be a thankful people, acknowledging your work in our lives. I just want you to stop for a moment, just be still for a moment here in the presence of the Lord. And just I'm praying there, I've just had this word come to me that is, um, tell them how thankful you are. So this, I believe, is a challenge to us here. Can you just this week, even if you're just still here quietly for this moment, Holy Spirit's just going to prompt you with somebody that you need to thank this coming week. We acknowledge God in our times of prayer. We acknowledge God through our day and we say, Lord, we are so thankful. But there is someone God is just bringing to mind now that you need to either pick up a phone and have a chat with. You need to pop round to their house. You need to write them a letter. I know that's old-fashioned. Send them a card. Somebody who just needs to hear a thank you from you this coming week. 
So Holy Spirit, would you just inspire us this week as a thankful people? And not to keep it to ourselves, but to allow it to overflow and acknowledge our appreciation of others. Would you stir us, Lord, that we wouldn't just walk away from here and do nothing about this, but recognize that you're calling us to build someone else up. That we might say thank you. As we say to you today, thank you. As we bring our grain offering of praise today to you, we say, Lord, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.